The following takes place between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. It is Wednesday, October 30th. That's right, the day before Halloween, the greatest holiday in the world. And I am Ian Glendon, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Mike DeBate for another episode of Full Press Coverage Radio Live. Mike, how are we doing today? La, la, la. Good morning, my friend. Uh, definitely good to be here on a Tuesday, as it always is. Uh, uh, Not much Wednesday. good about Tuesday mornings, oh, wait. but... Uh, but no, uh, no, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, Mike. Yes, it is Wednesday. <laughs> that is correct. Let's, uh, let, yep, let's that is get correct. it together. Yep. <laughs> All right, so that's it. So uh, we can see how much coffee I've had today already, and it's already off to a great start. I don't even know what day it is, but you know what? It doesn't matter what day it is. Game that's 7 right. of the World Series is happening, and that is that's something right. that we both predicted that was going to happen. Had a little bit of a different outlook in terms terms of who was going to come out on top but uh great game last night a lot of fight by the nationals showed uh they really they could have rolled over they were down late but came up with a couple of huge home runs off of justin verlander and forced the game seven in this one no absolutely and and again we both uh <clears throat> we both predicted game sevens i didn't think the nationals were going to win if it went to seven um but I'm starting to change my tune a little bit because I, I, I do think a lot of things went in their favor yesterday. And we're we're going to talk about that call, too, because, uh, you know, there, there was clearly a disconnect between a lot of people as to what that what that call actually was and what it meant and and how impactful it could have been. And uh, look, I mean, I'm just happy we're, we're here not talking about that changing the outcome because again you know, we get enough of that in the NFL and, and other sports where we we spend far too much time talking about the officials or the umpires or, or what have you and it, it, it's just it's getting too much I mean at this point I mean the networks and everything should just have like a 30 minute show about officiating and just debate and rank officials about how good and how bad they are and it, you know it would actually be relevant exactly it really is it's really true so you know it's it's always tough to see calls like that be a stain on really what was a very very good world series mm-hmm. game and and i know uh, a lot of it and there was a lot of misinterpretation a lot of confusion as to what the call was and how that ended up uh, going down a lot of mis- a lot of misinformation as to what exactly is foul territory fair territory how the runner needs to run in that situation so We'll break it all down for them, as we always do, because our wisdom and counsel is paramount, my friend. We always, you can trust me, I know that today is Tuesday, and it's a great day, and it's everything's all set, and, uh, 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 man, it's, it's, it's Wednesday, I'm sorry. You know what? Don't listen to me. Everybody listen to Ian, because he knows what's going on. I'm just along for the ride today. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> well, thanks. I didn't think it was... Well, I mean, you said it's Tuesday when it's clearly Wednesday, you know, just I'm just saying, you know, look, we're we're, the reason why we feel that, you know, we we have a we have a good thing going is because we we value uh, constructive criticism. And and you know what? We want you to call us out when we're wrong, because, you know, we like the attention because we know it's going to happen quite a bit. So um, absolutely. Absolutely. No. And and we do. And see, this is the reason why I love sharing the microphone with you, my good buddy, because. You can definitely tell me in a way 
you're an idiot. You just called Tuesday, Wednesday, and you do it with a velvet hammer. That yeah. takes a lot of skill and a lot of talent, my friend. Hats well, off, buddy. Don't worry, because I'm just anticipating at some point I'm I'm going to screw it up as well. So, which again I, I do on a daily basis, trying to get the days straight. So, uh, I guess you, your your problem was is with the actual days of the week. My problem is with the numbers. So, which makes sense because you know my my counting capacity is is very limited. You know, I can go up to like 14 or 15, and then it gets a little shaky from there. So it's more it's more or less just me guessing and throwing numbers out. So, but um, yeah. Hey, you know what? We got a lot to get to. Let's let's jump into this World Series. We're going to talk about the game. I mean, Steven Strasburg was he was awesome. Um, you know, the guy is going to finish the World Series. Uh, it's it, it, one of the best pitching performances. The only player to ever, you know, assuming he doesn't get into the game tonight or tonight, uh, he's going to finish the World Series as the only pitcher to go five and zero and in one playoff run and all that. And he he was fantastic last night. And he was exactly the type of performance that you get from teams that just have the feeling of being on the cusp. And I kind of feel like that's, you know, that that game last night really changed a lot for how I thought about how this series is going to finish. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, so my, my, my initial reaction, and I'll talk about the call, you know, just because it's, it's inevitable. We're going to bring it up. My initial impression of the play was that it was a bad call. I, I thought it actually, I thought it was an atrocious call. I, 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 I thought they were, <laughs> uh, basically, forgiving the Astros for just making a bad throw to first base. I mean, that that's essentially how I felt the play um, uh, played out. I, I thought it was just, it was a bad throw to first base that, you know, again, and ended up creating contact, but I didn't think it was an issue. Now, from what I've been told, and, and again, you know, I, I, I do feel like I know the game of baseball pretty well, but there are some nuances to it and some, you know, little obscure, little tidbits that, that you know, again, could be different and I, I might not understand I, I people have told me otherwise that that wasn't a, a bad call um, it depends I guess on what you're looking at now if you want to say that yes he was running on the inside of the base path for a majority of the trip to the first base I suppose you can make that argument and if that's the call you know that's the call I can I can live with that I'm not entirely sure how that rule is written I was always under the impression that you know as, as long as you you know you actually turn and hit that base, you know, you'd be all right. But apparently that's not true. I So I don't really know. I didn't think, I thought it was a terrible call at first. Other people have told me otherwise. So I'm kind of in the mix, uh, right in the middle with uh, with all that. Like I said, that's why I'm just glad it didn't really have a huge impact on how that game played out. Because the situation and everything uh, set up had all the makings of a terrible, terrible situation for Major League Baseball where you had a majority of the fans and even, you know, former players outraged that that, that was called the way it was. So, um, Mike, what, what were your thoughts on it? What was your initial impression when you saw it? And, and where do you stand this morning on it? My initial impression was exactly how you interpreted that. I thought it was a bad call at first. I looked at it and I said, you know, to make a judgment call like that and say that this is this is exactly what happened, I think was a little bit disingenuous at the, at that point. And I, I wasn't happy with the call. Then I went back and I actually read the rule. And technically the rule does state that if a runner is is running in a situation like that if even though first base is fair territory the runner is required to run in the lane in foul territory turner was just inside the foul line and although the rule raises the question of where exactly turner is supposed to run on his final step to mm-hmm. the bag you know obviously he turns and he, he, he was able to uh, to get that step but 
to me, it's it's just it's it, first of all, Joe Torre did explain after the game that this was not a rule that was reviewable. It's a judgment call by the umpire. So I think oh, they so made was the best awake. call. <laughs> yeah, so yes, he was awake. Yes, but uh, the uh, unlike myself this morning, he actually was awake. <laughs> and you know, and uh, um, and you know, when a, when this happen it is a judgment call by the umpire so unfortunately you have to stand by it now look tory's going to stand by his umpire he's going to stand behind the official technically i guess you could say that the correct call was made i don't necessarily agree with the rule itself i think it's a very the way the rule is written is very very confusing if you actually it's um if uh, my if my actual uh, uh, you know, research is correct this morning, which I did last night when I was much more awake than I am this morning, <laughs> Rule 5.09 reads in part, The batter is permitted to exit the three-foot lane by means of a step, stride, reach, or slide in the immediate vicinity of first base for the sole purpose of touching first base. In the what that means basically is that he's required to run out of the fielder's path and then be able to come back in and touch first base before he's tagged with the ball. That's basically what that rule reads. But there's a lot of intricacies involved in it, and this is going to be one that I think will be reviewed during the off season because it's so high profile. It happened in the World Series. It resulted in Dave Martinez uh, exit, which I happen to understand and i can agree with and understand why he was ejected from the game if i'm a manager of an opposing team like that i'm going to make a big squawk about it as well so i think that uh you know he did his team right by doing that even though it is a world series but uh it's yeah it's it's a slippery slope when it comes to this by the letter of the law they got the rule correct they got the call correct what it comes down to is whether or not the call or the rule needs further clarification or may need to be rewritten a little bit football's good at being able to do that they'll look at the rules they'll rewrite them baseball tends to be very very traditional and territorial i don't see them rewriting the rule books here but maybe a further explanation can come out within the next couple of days as to exactly what happened there yeah and and i i think what really you know, adds to the confusion is the mixed reaction from not just fan. I mean, again, I, I don't put a lot of stock into uh, egg profile number 23 on Twitter about their outrage. But, you know, when major leaguers come out and, and, you know, comment on how bad the call was, that's when I start thinking, okay, well, you know, was it a bad call? I mean, let's, let's get into it. But at, on you know, at the same time, you have John Smoltz talking about, and, and, and this is true because I, I have spent some time covering high school baseball, and in high school baseball, the coaches are always harping on, you know, those fundamentals and, like, the little things. Like, when you get a throw, when you field the ball and you go to throw to first base, you're going to be aiming at the runner because you want to get a call like that. And, again, to me, in my opinion, that's more or less when, you know, players are actually impeding the, the first baseman's ability to catch the ball, i.e. Alex Rodriguez in 2004. I mean, that was clearly an interference call and, and whatnot. So that was how I understood it. But at the same time, the way John Smoltz explains it, it's it, it makes sense. And again, I, I'm not, you know, my initial reaction again was, wow, it was a it was a horrendous call. But I, I think I've lessened that stance a little bit. And, and again, it's, it's a little bit easier to sit here and dissect knowing that the outcome was not really affected i mean look uh, the next batter uh, anthony rendon pretty much you know quieted that whole outrage because again he right. up and you know astros went up too and they ended up adding a couple more runs after that and uh, again they ended up winning so you know there's not as much you know let's let's just put it this way that new orleans saints aren't going to be protesting for the next four months because of this one because right <laughs> you know one <laughs> 
Fortunately, it wasn't against the New Orleans Saints. And two, um, you know, again, the, the outcome favored the Nationals. So, but here we are now, and we, we got a game seven. And uh, this will eventually, that'll be, a, you know, obviously a a talking point in some context for whoever wins. Now, again, if it's the Nationals, it, it, it gets made light of a little bit more. There's, you know, that, that kind of is, is great drama for, for a uh, World Series championship video. We know. We've, we've seen a few of them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. Super Bowl videos too. Um, <laughs> well, Three games to glory. Yeah, my fa- favorite we're movie of all time. We're up, we're up to part six. Yeah, on he, that. here That's... here's the question: Is there going to be more Three Games to Glory or Land Before Time? Oh, that's yeah, a good, that's, good that's, question. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Well, you know, Land Before Time has the ability for animation, so animation can live forever. But then again, so can Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, so (laughs) we don't know for sure. No, this is is one. I think we may need to dedicate a show to this down the line somewhere, my friend. (laughs) This is a very, very deep. It's a very deep and profound. (laughs) you got to go in deep like the guy with the spaceship. May they rest in peace. (laughs) Well, let's let's uh, we'll try to not get up too off track right now <laughs> because because clearly we went off the rails yesterday but um we do have uh the, the world series to look forward to and again you know when we when we um <clears throat> you know get past that call and everything it was it was a great game you had a great performance by steven strasberg um right uh, justin upton uh justin verlander upton <laughs> that's what <laughs> i meant to say <laughs> um he he was you know he was all right. It was kind of like his game two performance started off strong. The Astros obviously jumped ahead, uh, you know, quick two runs. Which again, I thought the Nationals had to score early in this because I felt like if the National if the Houston if Houston took the lead early, I, I thought given the way the three games played out in uh, Washington, it, it was going to be a quick night. But you know, again, give credit where credits due, and they battled back. And and again. Steven Strasburg, Mr. Washington National, was 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 outstanding, and uh, Anthony Rendon five RBIs, I think it was. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like now we have a game seven. Literally anything can happen, and you'd assume Max Scherzer, who was up warming in the bullpen, is going to be able to go today. Which now I'm thinking, okay, game seven, you got Max Scherzer versus uh, Zach Greinke. <laughs> uh, injured or not, I'm 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 taking Scherzer versus Greinke. I mean. Uh, I mean, Grinky hasn't had a, a great playoff run to begin with. Uh, again, it, it, so I don't know. It, it's it's going to be interesting. Let's just hope for some. Uh, you know, I want some extra inning baseball tonight. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, will I be. Can, yeah. I can sacrifice some sleep in order to get maybe eleven, twelve innings and some dramatic end. Um, that would that would be fantastic. Yeah, it truly would be. And the way the series has gone, you have to hope that this will go the distance tonight and really go into some extra innings and all of that drama. You really don't want to see a blowout and, you know, the uh, what has been a great series and a nail biter right up until then. I will stand behind my prediction. I'm still going with the Astros in seven. I still think Zach Grinke has it in him. But I do agree with you. On paper, when you look at the eye test on this one, advantage nationals. Max Scherzer is definitely the guy I'd want to give the ball to over Zach Grinke. Now, is that to say that Grinke can't come out and win a game tonight? Absolutely not. I believe he can. But at the same time, I think Scherzer is very well positioned to be able to do that. So this is going to be a good one. This has been a great series all season long, all series long. And for it to go seven is just fitting. And we said that when the World Series began right on this show, that we wanted to see this go seven games. We wanted to see great 
you know, pitching, great baseball, a lot of drama. This World Series has had it. So I've enjoyed all the games so far, and I can't wait to watch the game tonight. Absolutely. And and folks out there, if you uh, if you happen to miss one of these shows, I, I know you're you're trying really hard to tune in every morning, 8 a.m., Monday through Friday, replays at 2, all Eastern. Um, if you happen to miss those two time slots, though, we do put the show up as a podcast, so uh, definitely go and check it out. Um, we want to get some more uh, subscribers and, and fans to uh, really – Call us out on the stupid things we say because you know you know audio is forever and uh, <laughs> it's it's out there. So check it out. Uh, we're on all the major podcast platforms. Uh, obviously, Apple, Google, Stitcher. Tune in, yada yada yada. Check it out. FPC Radio Live. Subscribe, rate, and uh, only add encouraging comments because uh, I don't know if I can handle the negativity today. But um, <laughs> but. Well, you can always say that, uh, yeah, you can always just mispronounce the day just like I did or mis- misdeclare the day, I should say, and then you'll be all set. So. Well, uh, we'll make up a day, make up a, you know, March 32nd or something or, or Smarch, this, this nasty Smarch weather, you know. Smarch. Um, <laughs> um, good old good old Simpsons. But, uh, yeah, so go ahead, check it out, uh, download, subscribe, listen, uh, do all that fun stuff. We usually try to tweet it out from the uh, at, at FPC Radio Live Twitter account. So uh, follow that as well. So, so yeah, so, uh, again, World Series Game 7 tonight. Red Sox fans, enjoy it. This is the last day that you are the defending World Series champion. So move on, enjoy it, get ready for next year. So moving on, we're going to talk about the uh, – I guess a dud of a trade deadline. I, th- I think um, I don't want to call it that because again, this this whole idea that all these these deals are going to come down to the wire is a little misleading because we we have had a lot of deals this year. They just haven't happened to come at the end of you know at the very end of the limit. So <clears throat> yesterday we had oh let's see the Jets. Um, yes, <laughs> the Jets. <laughs> The Jets were uh, <laughs> too bad you didn't have audio for a dumpster fire. I, yeah, I think that well, would have been more appropriate. Pulled a game call from a Jets game, but look, uh, or a toilet flushing. Yeah, too. that would have been good. <laughs> I know, right? I got, I got to get those uh, not safe for work uh, audio sound clips going. But um, <laughs> look, I, I even a couple weeks ago, if you would have told me that. <clears throat> if someone would have said the Jets are in a worse position than Miami, I would have laughed. And not for 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 not trying, but like now, if you tell me that, I would actually almost agree with you. What happened over the last couple of days with the Jets reportedly saying they weren't going to shop Jamal Adams? Jamal Adams saying that he was told he wasn't going to be shopped, and then saying he was shopped behind his back, um, which was which failed because again, you know, once once that gets out, it's out, and uh, clearly it, it was true because Dallas Cowboys official account. <laughs> commented on their attempts to try to acquire Jamal Adams. Obviously, the trade fell through. Um, there were rumblings that they were, you know, either looking to trade uh, Le'Veon Bell or listening to offers. Um, they had a, a, apparently a ridiculous price tag out on Robbie Anderson. They failed to trade him. And now, all of a sudden, all those guys have to walk right back into that stadium this week and <laughs> face the music that they're a 1-6 team. So, yeah, I... I I don't know how many winners there are yet because I think it's too early to tell. But uh, I, I think one of the biggest losers of trade deadline was was the New York Jets. Yeah, without question. And and you know for not even so much for the lack of their ability to move players or bring players in, the PR of this mm-hmm. team is consistently handled so poorly. 
And that's in management. That's in the ownership box. That's everything that this team, you know, needs to be better at. They just haven't been the last few years. And look, good luck to Adam Gase trying to convince Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams to play at a high level for the rest of the year. That's going to be probably his biggest task. And I, quite frankly, I just don't see it happening. Jamal Adams releasing the statement yesterday about him being misled. You mentioned that earlier. And I think that is probably to me, the most egregious thing here is you bring a guy in saying, we're going to build around you. We want you here. And then you shop them behind your back. Look, nobody's blaming front offices for trying to better their team and make these deals and do what you're going to do to try to improve your football team. Any smart team will listen to any offer. But when you hear the Dallas Cowboys then come out and say, we had uh, you know some deep talks in trying to acquire him, then all of a sudden it looks like that this guy's been shopped behind your back and that yeah. to me yeah exactly that's more than just listening to an offer and saying well you know jamal i'm sorry but the dallas cowboys are balling us over with this offer it's a good opportunity for you what do you think of it, it doesn't sound like he was even brought into any of these discussions not that players should be i get you know i get the argument but there's a way of bringing people along and just it just seems like this happens more often than not down there in east rutherford so yeah, this this team has implosion written all over it right now, especially with their record and how they played the last few games. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one for them to rebound from. Yeah, and and look, I mean, if it you know if it wasn't for the Jets, I mean, we'd have a couple more losers on this on this list. But um, it's just, it's just a bad it's a bad look because I, I you know look if we remember the stories and if they're true, Adam Gates didn't really want. Le'Veon Bell to begin with he didn't want to sign yeah we saw this and, yeah we saw this early on and honestly I don't necessarily disagree with that because I, I think Le'Veon Bell he's he's a good player but I, I don't think he's this you know game-changing player that everyone has said I mean I, I've always I've always laughed at you know people like uh, you know mesmerized over his running style and every time they played the Patriots I'm like go ahead dance behind that line of scrimmage all day I'll, I'll take that because he, he would never be effective against the Patriots and everyone you know we talk about that uh that uh, playoff game a couple years ago, or that regular season game a couple years ago, or playoff game, I don't even remember. But it was the one where they were like, oh, well, Le'Veon, Le'Veon got hurt, and, and that's why the Patriots won. It's like, no, he was incredibly ineffective before he got hurt. And, it, it, you know, obviously he didn't play the rest of the game. And a lot of that is because, again, you know, his, his style works against undisciplined teams. But when you play good teams like the Patriots who know how to stay in their lane and aren't going to over-pursue a running back, this little dancing and, and t- tap, you know, tip tapping, tiptoeing all behind the line of scrimmage doesn't work as well. And uh, so, to me, I I didn't necessarily agree with you know, or I didn't necessarily disagree with with Adam Gase's uh, reported sentiments that yeah, okay, let's let's not try to shell out a bunch of money for a running back who is obviously hadn't played last year and obviously is a little bit older than you know what you would like. So again, I. I, I'm not, ups, you know, I wouldn't be upset with Adam Gase before this season, but after this, I mean, it's just, I don't think any of us really think he's think he's a great coach to begin with, and now you add this uh, on a team that that's losing games, and it's it's, uh, and, and the you know the worst part for the Jets too is there's so many bad teams in this league that they they could they could lose out or win only one game the rest of the year and and pick like seventh or eighth <laughs> yeah and still not have and still not have that great draft yeah. pick that they're hoping to get it's true it really is and again the word is implosion and you saw that yesterday and it just and 
the Jets were actually that win against the Cowboys really buoyed that their mm-hmm. spirits and they came into that Patriots game and I bought into it as well. I thought that was going to be a very close game. You saw that a little bit better, much better than I did <laughs> Should because I, play I the believed clip? <laughs> uh, well yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? No, take a victory lap, my friend, seriously because you were one of the few. Most of the media up in the Boston area are up here bought into the Jets hype and said this is going to be a closer game than people think. The Jets are going to be able to show them, uh, you know, some things on on defense. It's going to be a defensive slugfest. Patriots most people had the Patriots winning, and I did as well. I didn't think the Jets would beat them, but I expected them to give them a much better game than they did. But ultimately, it's just it spiraled out of control in the last couple of weeks. You don't see discipline with this team. Um, you know, the Jacksonville game, obviously, you know, they're playing Ghostbusters up on the uh, up on the, <laughs> the, the Jumbotron during that, the oh, game. Man. Uh, you know, credit to the Jags, too. I mean, I, I got to, you know, we Patriots fans and Jaguars fans don't often have a whole lot to uh, to shake hands on, but that was one <laughs> where you tip your cap and you say, you know what, that was pretty good. Um, you know, just so much going wrong for the Jets the last few weeks, and to me, yesterday was just the icing on the cake for this team. I think it's just, um, yeah, going to be a really, really tough season, rest of the season, uh, down in East Rutherford for Gang Green. Well, and this doesn't even mention the whole uh, Kelechi Osemele situation that the Jets have been dealing oh, with yeah. prior to this, which again just again speaks to the dysfunction and disorder within that organization, and and it starts from the top. And again, I don't, th- I, I can't think of one person outside of Manesh Mehta who thought <laughs> hiring Adam Gase was a great idea, and uh, he's clearly backtracked on that. Um, as, as he times. does, Man- as as he Man- has Man- Man- Manish has backpedaled yeah. several times on that. He goes up. <laughs> He'd and make down, a great defensive back. He'd have great. Yeah, he would. You know, yeah, like, he would. Wow, look at that movement. Look at that backpedal. It's, it's yeah. impressive. That's that that rivals some of the game's best. No, look. I mean, Jets. The Jets are going to Jets. I mean, that's the reason why they haven't won a Super Bowl since before the moon landing. So, um, it, it doesn't really get much better. I mean, who knows if Sam Darnold's the the option? Because right now, I mean, that's up in the that's up in the air. Just how things have transpired. I mean, he threw another few picks um, this past week. So. Yeah, you know, if you're a Jets fan, I, I, I do feel bad for you in a way, but at the same time, I don't because I'm a Patriots fan, and and it's it's ingrained in me to uh, hate the Jets. Um, yeah, so so that's where it's at. But hey, good for you, Jets. You 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 really lost the trade deadline. Um, to me, a couple other losers in this whole uh, deal is is the Redskins and Bengals. Like, what are you doing? Like, really? I mean, you're you're, you're both organizations are terrible. And you hold on to what, you know, incredibly valuable assets for what, you know? Uh, and I'm talking specifically guys like A.J. Green uh, for, for the Bengals and uh, obviously Trent Williams for the Redskins. Neither player got <laughs> traded, although there was clearly a lot of interest in both, or at least that's what the rumblings were saying. And uh, especially for the Bengals, who obviously decided that Andy Dalton is no longer the option and have benched him, have decided that the 31-year-old A.J. Green, whose contract expires at the end of the year, is not worth trading. I don't know. <laughs> you know like yeah just baffling absolutely baffling i was really surprised and i went on record yesterday as saying i thought aj green would get dealt i thought it was mm-hmm. posturing i thought it was gamesmanship obviously it wasn't i mean i can't imagine that a team did not offer a 
significant or at least a satisfactory compensatory package for a guy like A.J. Green. There are teams out there that are looking for wide receivers. You're in our New England Patriots. We're looking for mm-hmm. offensive help as well. So you have to think that they put at least put feelers out there and maybe made an offer or thought about bringing a guy like A.J. Green in. But, you know, again, we talk about the Jets are going to jet. The Bengals are going to bangle uh, the the, uh, the Washington Redskins holding on to Trent Williams. Williams is reported. It's not even known if he's ever even going to play this season. So I, I think he takes know, his I mean, physical today, but even then, it's yeah, like, you know, who knows? Exactly. So, I mean, at this point, what are you holding on to? What are you doing? Just, yeah, really, really, really questionable things went on yesterday during the trade deadline. I mean, obviously, teams... There was a certain price that they were going to pay. There was a certain price that they weren't. And at the end of the day, not much happened. Uh, again, you mentioned Aqib Tlaib going down to uh, to Miami, jettisoned to, you know, really off of the... That was my next point. See, that's it. But uh, with Aqib Tlaib uh, going head. into uh, to Miami, that's right. Yep, see, same wavelength right, yep. off, right <laughs> off the bat. But um, Aqib Tlaib going to Miami was interesting to say the least yeah, i don't want to say yeah. shocking or eye-opening but it was interesting he definitely did something in the los angeles dog hops that, that is not that did not sit well with uh with that team so keep goes down to miami and uh i hope he enjoys south beach because it's not going to be an enjoyable trip down there for a while for a while for a keep it's yeah it's this is this is like uh you know this this is like when you're sent to your room as a kid <laughs> yeah, well, it's sent to a room in a in a, in a home that you're not used to that <laughs> it's dilapidated and falling apart because that's that's what the dolphins are. No, look, I I I again, I I mentioned it just before when we were talking about the Jets. I would have never imagined that I'd believe the Miami Dolphins are in a better position than the Jets, but uh I I think that's evident now again a lot of that can change because the dolphins are putting all their chips in their draft picks and it, and this was a draft pick you know this was an nba style trade where you know you trade you acquire a player to acquire a draft pick and that's essentially what right. the dolphins did so whether a keep to leap every place for the dolphins who knows i understand why because again you know brian flores obviously has some familiarity with him obviously being with the patriots and you know, Tlaib spending time with the Patriots and, of course, coaching against the Broncos and, and, and the Rams and all that. So there's familiarity with the player. And, and look, Aqib Tlaib's a good player. I mean, he, when he's healthy, he, he hasn't played a full season since, I think, 2008. So he's always due to miss a few games. And, of course, he's getting up there in age. And I don't really think this he's, he's you know, part of the solution for the future however again if he is healthy I, I imagine he might be able to play this year because we we just found out this morning that Xavier Howard is is done for the year with an knee injury. Right. so he yeah. could find some playing time and who knows what happens but this, this move for the Dolphins is, is once again a, a move to acquire draft picks and and for the Rams I mean I think a lot of people saw the writing on the wall not necessarily a trade to the Dolphins but um you know their, their priority is obviously trying to re-sign Jalen Ramsey and um you know that in, that involves moving on from a keep to leave, who's been kind of that that anchor as a defensive back or at least a cornerback on that team. So Jalen Ramsey is new guy there, and you know I assume they're going to try to get him signed long term. And uh, keep to leave is moving on, so we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, I, for the Bengals, for the Redskins, for keep to leave. I mean, those are kind of the losers of the trade deadline, and 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 nothing of a keep to leave's doing. It was just unfortunate. You go from a Super Bowl contending team to the Miami Dolphins, who <laughs> who are 0-8 right now and, and probably going to be uh, battling those very same Bengals for, uh, 
you know, <laughs> loser supremacy there at the end of the season in week 16. So we can only hope it's between two O and 14 teams. <laughs> Michael? Michael! <laughs> Every so often around here, we get connection issues with Mike. Yep. And uh, right on cue, there's the... Uh, there's you're, the you're up. Yep, there he is. There he is. Just looking to... Oh, we, we we lost you for a minute. <laughs> I, I, I paused. All right. Well, you know, it's the Rhode Island, Island thing. I don't. Yep. I'm I'm cutting out. I'm telling you, you said things you didn't. I'm telling. <laughs> I'm telling you, Tuesday when it's Wednesday. This is unbelievable. This is really. Uh, you you deserve a medal for getting through this show with me, my friend. <laughs> Definitely got to bring my A game when it comes to tomorrow's show. You know, Wednesday show tomorrow. We got to bring our A game. Oh shit, it's Wednesday. Yeah, see, see what I mean. This is really. This is getting to be. Uh, you know, my my biggest problem here. But um, now, in all actuality, folks, I will bring you back to a little bit of reality. Yeah, the Miami Dolphins definitely in full tank mode. The Cincinnati Bengals are in full tank mode as well. You know, benching Andy Dalton. By the way, yesterday happened to be Andy Dalton's birthday. <laughs> yeah, what a nice terrible. birthday gift. Hey, hey Andy, guess birthday. what? Happy birthday. Yeah, you're sitting on the bench now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God, unbelievable. But, um, you know, there were probably a few winners at this trade deadline as well. And I'm looking at Twitter last night, and I'm hearing just the outpouring of vitriol from Patriots fans about how they lost this trade deadline and they blew it and they didn't do that. You bring in a guy like Mohamed Sanu and you I don't necessarily get that. I mean, yes, I understand there were some needs. Offensive line, I think players, I think fans had visions of sugar plums dancing in their head when it came to <laughs> names like, you know, maybe Tyler Eifert or a guy like O.J. Howard who had been bandied about. Uh, my mentions were flooded the last 24 hours with Odell Beckham Jr. because he gave Tom Brady a pair of cleats. Everybody's assuming that he's just going to end up in New England. Doesn't work like that, that folks. Trades are intricate. <laughs> exactly. F fans, are, you know, fans are fickle. Yeah, SZN, exactly. Fans are, are fickle. Trades are intricate. There's a lot that goes into a trade. There's And Bill Belichick, I thought, did a very good job of setting the table yesterday. And I wish a lot of teams would do this in their PR department or let people know about cap implications mm -hmm. and things that now the cap really did probably handcuff the Patriots ability to take on salary or to make things work. So there's a lot that goes into it, whether system, whether a player is under contract, how long do they control him? That affects how much compensation you're going to give up. It's a lot. There's a lot that goes mm -hmm. into it. So at the end of the day, it's not shocking that there wasn't a flurry of activity yesterday. I think the teams that waited until the last moment either weren't serious about moving the guys they claimed they wanted to move, or the other flip side is that they just didn't find anything to uh, to their liking and just chose to, to hold on to guys, or out of stubbornness, felt that they were going to hold on to guys when they couldn't get fair value. So well, there was, the uh, trade deadline's done. <laughs> I was going to say, someone, uh, and, and this was out there, that... <clears throat> The market was set so high, especially on receivers with the trades of uh, Emmanuel Sanders and obviously Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots for a second round pick mm -hmm. that it felt like teams that were trying to get rid of players were overvaluing and teams just weren't budging. Like there's a report out there that the, uh, the Jets wanted a second for Robbie Anderson. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, come uh, yeah, on. That like, is, yeah, and and, and I don't blame because, you know, reportedly the, the Packers were inquiring about him and i don't blame them for you know you don't you're not going to give up a second round pick for robbie anderson look i i love muhammad sanu and i i enjoyed that he's on this team but even i was a little you know okay on the edge about giving up a high draft pick because again 
a lot of that also stems from the fact that I feel like they screwed up by releasing Antonio Brown and have put themselves in this position where they had to give up an asset to go get a receiver and then were limited yesterday if they wanted to make a move because of the the cap restraints in terms of Antonio Brown's contract. Yeah, that, that 4.5 million would have yeah. come in handy. <laughs> well, I, the player yep. would honestly the player would have come in more handy because again I'm 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 still going to die on that hill until he gets convicted yep. or proven guilty of, of of the things he's accused of. But uh, if if that happens, I'm not saying it will. I, I I don't know. None of us knows really. So my whole thing has always been they should they shouldn't have cut him. I thought it was a knee jerk reaction. And and what I found ish, interesting was uh, our our <laughs> our our friend uh, in the Northeast or, or friend to the Northeast, Mr. Mort uh, Mortensen there uh, mentioned. That and this is something I think we all kind of believe just based on things that had transpired after he was cut. But there was a disagreement, and I and I'm assuming it was between owner and coach and player, and then and by player I mean Tom Brady about getting rid of Antonio Brown. And and I think there's a lot of um, evidence to kind of suggest that that is what's true. And I'm not saying this is the 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 rift that's gonna you know no that's not what I'm saying. I I, I think. They disagree, and that's that. You know, they just move on. It's not. It's not this. You know, not every disagreement has to turn into this great uh, war between, you know, ownership, player, and coach. Like it tends to become, you know, in Patriots world. But I do think that there was a disagreement. I think there. You know, Tom Brady still wanted Antonio Brown, and honestly, I think Bill Belichick still wanted Antonio Brown. Um, so again, part of the reason why. The, the Patriots were not able to make the moves that they wanted to yesterday or, or, you know, maybe would like to inquire about was, A, the the prices were too high. And, you know, we know this team, they're not going to overpay for a player that's not worth it. They'll, they'll overpay for players that they know that are worth it. I, I don't think there's anyone out there that was worth overpaying. So... To me, I, the, the Patriots didn't make any moves, and that's that's fine with me. I think their best moves are, are waiting for certain players to get healthy, and that, to me, is a dead trade deadline acquisition. However, their limitations were their own fault. And, again, this all goes back to my feeling that they shouldn't have cut Antonio Brown, and they'd be in a in a far better situation because, again, I don't think this is a team that, that is struggling because it lacks weapons. I think there is some issues on the offensive line that have, you know, obviously trickled down to all the other units in the offense. However, uh, you can't convince me that having Antonio Brown, perhaps the best, if not one of the two, three best receivers in the game, isn't going to help that offense. And, uh, you know, I saw a lot of that this past week. So that's my thoughts on it. I, I don't, I, you know, again, Patriots stand, standing pat, that's fine with me. I still think they're the best team in the league. And and again, their their additions are going to come through the form of guys like Harry and, and Isaiah Wynn, hopefully getting uh, activated off IR. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. And you see a lot of other teams, you know, you talk about the Patriots, and we always do seem to bring things back to New England without any question. But there were a lot of teams that stood pat yesterday. You mentioned the Green Bay Packers. We mentioned the New Orleans Saints yesterday. We mentioned the Oakland Raiders. These are all teams that we thought could be active in the trade deadline and bringing players in and being able to to get guys out there. Don't forget, within another couple of weeks, Josh Gordon is going to be out there on the open market for these teams to be able to bring in. You can imagine a team like the Oakland Raiders or maybe, I don't know, maybe not the Green Bay Packers because of their their, their uh, uh, schedule and their um, standing status. I think that will probably think he'll be long gone before that. But you can imagine these teams bringing in a guy like Josh Gordon, taking a flyer on him and seeing what they can get from him for a half of a year. Antonio Brown is still out there. Technically, he's still able to be signed. There's keeping nothing the, I'm keeping the dream alive, my a friend. team <laughs> that is able to, and I... 
I'm starting to erode by the day of saying there's absolutely. I don't want to say absolutely. I'm, I'm not going to say absolutely, but a very, very slim to low, low to slim chance that he would ever end up back in New England. But he wants there's still it. a like, part of me that believes, I, I don't oh, want to interrupt it. you. He, he wants, wants it. That. I mean, there, there's oh, no doubt in my mind. I mean, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but I, I tend to peruse the uh, the social media accounts because that's 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 the day and age we live in. And uh, I mean. The guy posted a photo of his kid dressed up in an Antonio Brown Patriots jersey as for Halloween. Like, the guy wants to be back here so bad. And, you know, again, I, you you can you can say whatever you want about him. Yes, he's he's an immature, you know, ass or whatever. But, I, look, I, I'm, I, I still can't get over how perfect of a fit he was in this offense and how well, you know, and we, we look, we're nitpicking with what happened with Sanu to start the game because he clearly he was fine and he's going to get re- he's going to be really good in this offense and and this is not a knock on him but we saw just the instant connection Brady and Brown had in that that one game it just overnight it was just it was just just like that and uh to me i i think that's a that's a that's hopefully something that doesn't come back to bite them in the long run do i think they can still win a super bowl without him absolutely do i think it's all but guaranteed with him absolutely cuz again that that their defense is already an advan- uh, a, a significant advantage against every other team, most every other team. Um, you can argue the 49ers, all that stuff. I think their offense is really good despite what <laughs> the national narrative is. But again, you add one of the one, two best receivers in the league to this offense uh, like you had in Antonio Brown and, you know, lights out, folks. Yeah, without question. I mean, th- the reason why he was jettisoned from New England had nothing uh, anyone in the watch that Miami game knows that there was an instant connection. You said it perfectly. There was a synergy right away between he and Tom Brady. Antonio Brown is a very talented football player, folks, and he's a smart football player. Not a lot of people give him credit for that. He can. I know Pittsburgh fans tried to say, oh, well, he can't run routes. He'll never run a route. Well, it's not that he can't run routes. He actually is a pretty good route runner when he has a quarterback that's able to lead him in the mm-hmm. direction he needs to. And again, I'm not giving negativity toward Big Ben Roethlisberger, who I happen to think is a very good quarterback. I just don't think there was a very good fit between those two and the styles that they had. Brady and Brown just seemed to click. So it's this was not about anything that happened on the field. Off the field, I, I, you know, the Patriots, I don't know. I, you, you make the argument that they didn't have a choice, and I don't believe they had a choice here. The mob was out with the pitchforks and they were ready to you know to to riot uh with the fact that he was even on the team to begin with uh and not only that but there was a lot of circumstantial things that happened in antonio brown's personal life that quite frankly just couldn't be ignored any longer so he's out there will a team take a chance on him there's definitely a chance is there a chance that the patriots bring him back I'm not going to go Dean Wormer and say 0.0, <laughs> but I'm going to probably say maybe like 0.5, I think is maybe the, uh, you know, or 0.05 uh, is a better way for me to put it that says that he would end up back in New England. The only way that I think that would happen is if there was a lot of contrition on the on behalf of, of, of Antonio Brown, first of all, because you know the comment about yeah. about Robert Kraft hurt him. Whether he was right or whether he was wrong, that's a separate issue, and I'm not going to argue that right now. But and, and look, it let's, was. Let's, let's be real. He was right. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like as and and I and you know me, I love Robert Kraft, and and I didn't I didn't think his issues 
were necessarily a big deal. I mean, obviously it was, it, it ballooned up to, you know, he was running a, a, a slave sex ring or whatever. Um, but obviously oh, yeah, that's well, that was obviously and, and, idiotic. You know, so, yeah. yeah, but you know, his issues I'm not making light of. It's just, I didn't think it was that big of a deal and, and half the people chastising him, um, probably have done the same exact thing, which again, is just part of this culture of, you know, everyone's, everyone's ready and willing to throw out barbs, but, um, yeah. without any sort of, context or knowledge of the situation and that's kind of what i felt with the whole antonio brown thing because you know everyone uh we were so quick because again remember everyone was at first they were outraged they were like oh my god there must have been some collusion going on here how did the patriots get him how did they sign him so quickly how does it you know that was the thing how did how does a deal like that come you know come together so quickly and then of course the 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 report comes out then all of a sudden people are equating his actions with the raiders which again you know there's a, there's a big difference between it between being a immature ass and you know a rapist, but all that's all it took for people to kind of lump the two together. Now all of a sudden, you know, half the people out there on Twitter know how he's thinking and know what he does, even though no one knows anything. Like people ask me, it's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know. What do you know? Do you know something I don't know? I don't know. All I know is what's come out on both sides. And again, we we've heard one side of the story and we've heard the other. Neither screams anything definitively and then that's not a knock on either one of them but it just to me warrants an opportunity for the the whole legal process to play out so and that again leads me to the fact that i don't think they should have suspended him or uh, released him i think again i think robert Kraft reacted to the social outcry which again i thought was kind of weak of him because again you 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 let the you let it play out you've been in that situation he's very familiar with the uh due process that the legal system provides and of course he knows how to work that system so uh, to me it was it was very hypocritical on his part and i i disagreed with it and i still disagree with it and you know again yesterday was more evident that yes it's it's affecting them more that they weren't able to do certain things and they've had to you know mix and match players and get creative with the salary cap to fit these people in because you have four and a half million dollars tied up into a receiver that played one game and you know is now sitting at home unemployed so like i said i I, i'm with you i never you know i never put a lot of stock in the fact that he'd actually be back but you know again the 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 one thing that's keeping me (laughs) i guess on that hill for at least a little bit at least a you know a smidge is is the fact that Again, I, I believe Brady and Belichick still wanted him. And ultimately, if anything were to happen, it would be influenced greatly by those two. Yeah, and I, I do believe so. And I think that it would take that type of an effort from Bill Belichick and Tom Brady to influence Robert Kraft to be able to do it. The other thing here that the white elephant in the room is with Antonio Brown is there's still that specter of the commissioner's exemplist hanging over the top of him. And I know you've made a very good point. And honestly, I agree with everything that you've said. There's no evidence that's come out within the last few weeks since Brown was released that would warrant him being placed on the exempt list simply because there just hasn't been any new information. Yes, we have the text messages. I understand that. You can make the argument as to whether or not you believe they were threatening or they were, or were they, were they ridiculous and stupid? Absolutely. Oh, hundred percent. But there also is that specter of having a team sign him. Now, there are some, and I'm not going to say I buy into this or that I don't, but there are some that have made the argument that if the Patriots were to bring him back, that the commissioner would be less hesitant to slap that 
tag of the commissioner's exemplist on Antonio Brown simply to prevent him from ever being a patriot. Um, I don't know. If you believe in conspiracy theories, that's one thing that you might believe. Uh, believe Maybe if another team signs him. (laughs) Well, there you go. That's one thing I do believe in. And then the, you know, the NFL office is ripe with that. So, yeah. But there are some that believe that if another team were to sign him, that maybe there wouldn't be that public outcry uh, or that threat of the commissioner's exemplist wouldn't be as heavy. But there has to be something to it because no team has signed him right now. You saw him out on the field in week two against Miami. You know, the guy can play. Mm -hmm. There's no question about it. They're not keeping him on the sidelines and no one is not reaching out to him and sign him. He's a complete free agent. He can sign with whoever he'd like to. There's a reason why, and that is because of the off-field issues that you see with Antonio Brown. And it's sad. That's the saddest part of all Mm -hmm. of this, is that physically, from a player standpoint, there is no way this guy should be home on the couch watching NFL football. He should be playing for a contending team right now. And just because he cannot stay off his phone, and just because he can't you know, use the logical decision-making to be able to put himself in a position where he's going to be able to succeed that's exactly where he is right now so well and, and, you know we'll see we'll see what happens and it, it's a problem with this whole uh, mob mentality outright because one of the points i made too was like you know i think we could all i think we could all agree that you know for whatever reason he he deals with things differently than some other people and, and other people can't grasp that. So his actions, yes, they were immature in Oakland and all that stuff. And if you want to call him an ass, you can call him an ass and all that entitled whatnot. Name me an athlete who isn't. I mean, let's, let's be real here. I mean, that's not too dissimilar to, to a majority of athletes and, you know, and, and to an extent, you know, he, give him credit you know the guy the guy brought himself out from you know uh, poverty in in miami to become one of the best receivers and you know he has a chip on his shoulder like tom for being a six-round pick so there's a lot to respect out of that and i i think unfortunately a lot of people who don't understand how he expresses himself uh mistakens that for mistakens that for not being intelligent or not being smart because like i mean what's sadder uh what happened with Antonio Brown or all the buffoons who hop into everything he tweets with clown makeup or something like that, like criticizing a guy for, you know, at the very least trying, whether it's genuine or not, we don't know. But it's like, I mean, who? it's just to me, it's ironic that people are calling him a loser and a clown when it's like you're the one sitting there waiting for him to tweet something so you can hop into his mentions and behind the uh, the shadow of a avatar and most of them fake you call him a clown and insult him. It's it's like, to me, it's foolish. And it just kind of speaks to this whole ridiculous mob mentality because, you know, half the people that were making casting judgments on him have no clue what's going on. I mean, we don't, no one does. And and that's to me has always been the point. And again, I, I, I wish, I wish Robert Kraft didn't overreact to the whole situation. Cause again, I, I think, you know, he, would would just really separate this offense and this team in general from the pack and um you know to to my point about me not thinking he would go on as of today i don't think he would go on the exempt list simply because they didn't put him on it to begin with and they said they you know there at the time there was nothing to warrant putting him on the exempt list and literally since then nothing has changed so if he were to sign and then get put on the exempt list that to me would would speak to a, an agenda by either the commissioner's office or just, you know, for whatever reason, depending on the team, if it's the Patriots and there's, you know, maybe an agenda against them. So um, I know it's a slim chance, but I, I will, I will be 
<laughs> carrying that mantle for the rest of the season as long as he's a free agent that um he should be back on this team and uh he wants it i think tom brady wants it i'm, I'm almost certain bill belichick wants it you just got to convince robert Kraft because i think he was the uh dissenting opinion on this and uh you know and, and here's something too and i know we're going <laughs> we, we spent a significant time on antonio brown which i didn't expect but um he had made he had made a comment uh, at some point in the last week about you know this wasn't about the text messages it wasn't about paying the money and everyone laughed at him you know because of course you know the way again the way he expresses himself on twitter you know isn't some people just don't understand it and and they make that out to be not intelligent and and I don't think that's the case um he said it wasn't about the money and and I mean it wasn't about the text and it was more about the money and to be honest I don't know if that's that far from the truth because if you think about it the patriots find out about um these accusations I think Bill obviously was clearly willing to to give him the benefit of the doubt and at least let it play out I think Robert Kraft got uncomfortable but didn't feel like it was enough to 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 cut bait right away um the text messages coming out was the was the catalyst to cutting him so I think they used that as the reason why they cut him but I think really uh Kraft might was maybe a little uneasy from the you know after that that Robert Klemko uh, article came out so right to an extent I don't think he was not telling the truth there even though people are like oh you're a clown you should have never sent those text messages it's like okay who are you uh Scott s12797654 on Twitter you know what I mean like it's just to me it's it's silly and and again I I hope uh, in a couple weeks maybe uh <laughs> maybe I can start pushing those uh booming t-shirts again <laughs> Well, apparently he saw them. And he, he did. He them. did. For those he of you that it, don't so. know, for those of you that don't know, Antonio so Brown actually saw Ian's tweet and retweeted it, and apparently liked the T-shirt. So uh, you never know. I mean, it, it could be. You know, yeah, it, it know. could be. For your sake, man. You know, I know you've been beating the drum, and I, I, I hope it works out for you. I'm a little bit less optimistic when it comes to that, but we will see. The reason why I did bring up Antonio Brown, and I think we morphed into this, is because there are still players out there that can help teams, and we mm-hmm. may see that. We may see players released go through the waiver wire because now we're after the trade deadline. Now, all of a sudden, if a player is released, he has to go through waivers. So it's going to be interesting to see if players do cut guys and you see a lot of these contending teams. Maybe they look to move on. Always, always worth keeping a sharp eye on. So just because your favorite team did not acquire a big-time asset yesterday still doesn't mean they can't add maybe smaller pieces, maybe not as well-known, but smaller pieces that can help your team contend. So look for the contenders to always be watching the waiver wire. Patriots are very good at that. A lot of other teams are going to be watching that as well. I expect the 49ers, the Packers, the Raiders, teams that are in contention right now. Uh, The Texans, obviously, are going to be looking for things as well. So... Keep a sharp eye at some of the maybe under-the-radar signings that you may see in the next few weeks because those sometimes can be the biggest ones for a team that wants to contend for a Super Bowl title. Yeah, and look, we've seen it in New England. We saw James Harrison become a, a you know important piece in a, in a Super Bowl run, uh, and he was acquired in the last couple of weeks of the season because he was released. So there's going to be opportunities for teams out there to make moves and acquire players. Um, again, you already mentioned Josh Gordon, so... And and that I guess we we only have a few minutes left because yeah, can these hours fly by? You know, and they it, do. It, it is a Wednesday, Mike. It's fly, no, it flies on a. T- it is Wednesday. That's <laughs> it is a Wednesday. It, you know, I morphed into thinking it was a Tuesday again. See, I've got it. I always got to have you in place to keep me grounded, my friend. Well, like I said, your your half of the brain involves uh, 
uh, witty 80s humor and uh, Godfather quotes. My half involves at least the, the, the days of the week, not necessarily the uh, the number dates. So, uh, like, well, what are you going to do? You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I didn't work that one in yet. But um, so, yeah, we, we only have a few minutes uh, left. So I do I do real quick. I just want to ask you, and this is something I thought about. Do you think the NFL do the NFL good to push the uh, trade deadline back a couple more weeks? I don't necessarily know. I think the more that the deeper you get into the season, I think it's going to be difficult the earlier that if you wanted to make it earlier, or if you want to make it later, I think that there's a double edged sword on both. You make it earlier. All of a sudden, you're not looking at some of these teams that are maybe truly in contention or not in contention. There's a lot of still pretenders and contenders that are being bandied about early on in October. If you make it a little bit later and you push it back, now you're asking players that have been ingrained in a team's psyche for a couple of you know months now to try to go in and fit in with a different team. So I think that's a real double-edged sword to me. I think it's in the perfect location. I leave it as it is, but I understand a lot of people uh, you know, are making arguments to the contrary. But my gut reaction is to leave it the way it is. I think it's in the right part of the season. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I like that they moved it to begin with. I thought week, I think it was week six before it was kind of the trade deadline right. in years past, like beginning of October. And I thought that was far too early. Um, I, I kind of look at what the other leagues do. And like, of course, you know, the, the game disparity is, is different. So you can't just say, oh, well, after, you know, 82 games, well, guess what? You know, there's that's like six seasons in the NFL. So, uh, right. but I look at the, the, uh, the point in the season in which all the, these other leagues have their trade deadline and, and roughly they come with about 60 to 70% into the league. And with the NFL, you're right at the midway point. So, you know, I, I could live with, you know, extending it just a couple more weeks. Cause I think it does keep open the possibility for teams that are kind of on the edge about uh, whether, whether or not they're going to compete or, or whatnot uh, for a title, you know, it gives them a chance to make a move. So, I mean, I, I'd be fine with keeping it the way it is, but I, I think, my preference would be to uh, extend it maybe to week 10 and just kind of give, give yourself like that, you know, and again, this, this also takes into account the fact that some teams, um, you know, you have this long-term injured reserve with players coming off, but you don't necessarily know, uh, you know, certain players, like we're still obviously waiting for Harry to be activated from, you know, for the Patriots and, and who knows, you know, maybe, maybe at the last minute they decide, okay, it's, it's not worth it. He's not going to be ready. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing it be moved back a little bit, but unfortunately what we can't move back is the uh, end time of the show. And, and the end time of the show is in about 90 seconds. So <laughs> With that said, we, we're going to wrap it up here on another Wednesday edition of the uh, FPC Radio Live. We had a lot of fun talking um, talking some World Series, talking some uh, Jets dysfunction, and of course, uh, nice good chunk of time on Antonio Brown. So uh, tomorrow's going to be fun. I mean, obviously, we're, we're going to have a new World Series champion tomorrow. We're going to have Thursday Night Football to preview. Jimmy G. Huh? Jimmy huh? G. Jimmy G, <laughs> your, your fellow Paisan. Yeah. That's right. My Paisan is taking center stage. That's right. And, you know, it's, if, if you look really quickly, you could see a very, very nice resemblance between Mike and, and Jimmy G. But you only have to you have to look really quickly, though, like like literally in passing. And that's the that's the way. Yes. And it. you also have to have extremely, extremely bad eyesight as yes, well to make the correlation preferably. between myself. Yes. Cataracts, preferably to see the resemblance between myself and Jimmy G. Yeah, he, he definitely got the uh, the lion's share of the looks as far as I'm concerned. But right. uh, yeah, no, nah, that's all right. Smarts. You know what? You got the. Nah, that's all right. You know, I, I got the Godfather impression. I still have that, so I got that going for me. <laughs> yeah, um. but 
with that said, uh, thanks, folks, for listening. Uh, if you're just tuning in, catch the replay at 2. Download the podcast. You can follow the show. It's at FPC Radio Live. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at IGLEN31. He is Mike DeBate. It's at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. Stay tuned. In about 15 seconds, uh, Mr. Brian Snow of Snowman in the Morning starts uh, kicking off, and I'm sure he's going to have a lot to talk about. So until tomorrow, have a great day, folks. So long, losers!